Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. this word this evening to our heart. I'm going to ask you one more time not to let the familiarity of a passage uh, jade your opinion prematurely. Let the Spirit of the Lord touch our hearts and lives. We're happy to have Chelsea and Mia back home this evening, and we're looking forward to some good uh, reports. I think they're going to take about an hour apiece Sunday, and uh, more, more, more or less. <laughs> probably more or less, but uh, we would be excited to hear about what God has done in their life and through this venture and what God is doing where they were visiting there. In the book of James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I'm going to choose tonight from the very first verse, chapter 1, our, our text tonight, the first verse of our text. I want to talk about being doers of the word this evening. Amen. God bless you, and, and you can be seated. In our last lesson, we discovered the, the vital importance of how we receive the word of God. We talked about the four soils that is referred to in the book of Matthew and the parable of the sower, the stony ground, the shallow ground, the crowded ground, and the good ground. Tonight, we want to take that same concept, but we want to just take one more additional step with that. The point of this passage this evening is that God is requiring of us, I'm going to be using some strong words like tonight, like require, <laughs> mandates. We're not going to be talking about suggestions here this evening. James is a pretty straightforward writer. And so the point of the passage tonight is the fact that God requires obedience. He requires obedience. And so even when we receive the word of the Lord with the right attitude, if we don't act upon that, then it has no value whatsoever. It falls by the wayside. It gets lost to us. And so obedience to the word of God is most likely the most basic spiritual requirement because we have to do something 
with the Word of God. You can't just ignore it. Brother John's preached a message. Uh, the title of his message was The Elephant in the Room this past week at conference. And so the elephant in the room in every service is that when the preaching or the teaching of the Word goes forth, we have to do something about that. What are we going to do with this? Amen. So the bottom line of, of true spiritual life is not a momentary feeling of commitment about what we plan to do from this point forward and then let that get lost to us, but the Scripture uh, has to be acted upon, and that's the central theme of James' epistle. James's epistle. He, he said, Be doers of the word and not hearers only. The second word in this verse, the word be, a more literal translation of this word is to keep striving to be a doer of the word, not a one-time thing, in other words, that we are going to become something, evolve into what God is desiring for us to be. There's a real danger that exists, um, the, the danger, rather, that exists for people to become, uh, is for people to become comfortable with their knowledge of the word of God. Let me back up and say that again. There's a real danger that exists in any given service or in any given life, and that is for us to be comfortable where we are with our knowledge of the word, whatever it may or may not be. When this happens, we stop letting the word of God impact our lives, touch us, move us, and, and stir us and change us. We're just satisfied where we are. We have a certain knowledge, a base knowledge, and so James tonight in his scripture is talking about an ongoing lifestyle, not a one-time event, not something that just happens every now and then, but this is daily, getting up with it in the morning, going to bed with it at night. It means allowing the word of God to continually mold us into the person that he sees that we can become. And I'm always curious about that. I want to I want uh, the Lord to be able to shape me into what he knows I can become. I, like you, would be guilty of limiting myself by what I recognize and denote as my own human limitations. But the Lord sees something in us, and so I want his word to continue to mold me into that. It's a continual obedience to the word of God that helps us become what he wants us to be. It's one thing to have to fight in some sort of conflict for a few days. However, it's something else altogether to be a sworn military soldier. Would you agree with that? Somebody's in a little battle for a day or two, that's one thing. But when someone has taken an oath, sworn an oath, to be a soldier in our military, then our soldier's entire life from that point forward is dedicated to warfare. It's one thing to be able to make a few repairs around your house, but quite another thing to be a professional builder. There's a big chasm in between those two things. And so here James is talking about being a doer of the word of God, and so he is emphasizing what they are and not just what they do, who they are and not just what they do. There, this represents far more than just an occasional surrender to the word of God, or an occasional surrender to the presence of God, where in any one given service we may feel some measure of surrender. But, this, but it is not that weakened warrior mentality, but it is that every day I wake up with this goal, and every day I wake up with this responsibility. 
So without a doubt, James is, refer, is referencing a believer that lives a, an entire life around the concept of being a doer of the word of God. It's something that defines our very existence. It's who we are. It's not just what we do occasionally. It's who we are. Amen. I think that who we are is found not so much in a couple of hours on Sunday or a, an hour or two on Wednesday night. I think who we are is what people that work with us live with every day or the people that are in our lives live with every day. That's who we are, not just something that we do. Amen. It's, it's something that defines our very existence. It's who we are. James is not describing somebody here this evening in his writing that would be a casual Christian, but he is, he is underlining that doer of the word. He's addressing them. They hear the preached word of God. They read the inspired word of God. And then they figure out how now can I apply this word to my life in an everyday fashion. I wonder how many sermons, and I'm not saying this to convict any one person or any group of people, but even, even the man holding the mic. I wonder how many sermons we have heard that we have just let slip through our hands and our lives like sand in an hourglass. We were moved for a moment, but then after a while it just kind of gets lost in everything else that we do. I mean, I don't want to get caught up in that, but I want to hear the word or read the word. I want to contrast that, weigh that out, and figure out how can I fashion my life around this word. I mean, people are caught up in living and growing and maturing in the word. That, that's the person that I want to be. I want to be in that group that has my life surrendered to the word of the Lord. Now, if you contrast uh, this against the word used for hearers, you get a totally different picture. When you contrast the doer against the hearer, you get a completely different picture. A, a hearer, this word literally indicates somebody who sits passively in an audience and they listen perhaps to a singer or they listen to a speaker and they're just there almost sort of kind of to critique what's going on. They're, they're just a casual observer. They, they are people that have no idea or at least feel as though they're not ever going to be accountable to the word of God that's being rendered. Hear me tonight. The hearer only never crosses their mind, apparently, that they're going to have to be accountable to the word that has been delivered. I mean, church is just merely something that happened in the course of the day, of their day, like many other things that happen. It's kind of right next door to going out to eat, right next door to taking a shower, right next door to mending some clothes, right next door to fixing something around the house. It's just something that happened in the course of their day when it should be their everything that happened in the course of their day. Amen? Does that make any sense? I had a chaplain several years ago say something to me. It kind of brought a little bit of clarity to uh, our prison ministry and, and its effectiveness upon, uh, upon those that uh, attend our services and, and Bible studies and things of that nature. Uh, he, he told me, he said, you need to understand something. He said, when you come here and uh, for an hour, you guys come here for an hour or two on any given day, or come for an hour or two at night and teach a class. He said, for you, it's just part of your day. It's just one 
thing among many things that you did today. But he said, you need to understand for these men, this is their whole day. And so it kind of brought a little soberness to my steps. And so when I began to hear men that were a part of those classes say things to me that have been said to many of the other people that are involved in these ministries or ministries like this, they have told us, especially in times in places where we go every other week, they say we live our life two weeks at a time. Now think about that. For us, it's just something that we do. It's just part of the day. But for somebody else, it's the whole of their day. And I just thought about that this evening when I was considering this word tonight and considering this lesson that church cannot just be something that we do that's a part of our day, but it needs to be the entirety of every day. The word of God, the spirit of God, the presence of God, not just something that fits in the schedule. We pencil that in the calendar, but this ought to be everything that we do. I I don't want to meander too much here, but I do want to cover a few bases that I've talked about lately that we can't just think about church at church time or we're never going to be able to have the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost in our services that we need in order to minister to the needs that are present. Amen. We can't just... We can't just be in some neutral, casual, relaxed frame of mind and then just think about we've got to rush to the house of God and kind of get this out of the way and get this off of our list. I, I've heard people say probably at some point in my life I have been guilty of saying this. We're going to get, go ahead tonight and receive the offering and get that out of the way. Well, the real truth of the matter is it's never in the way. Amen. It's part of what we're doing. It's a part of our worship. It's a part of what we're doing. And so sometimes we can say, well, we need to go kind of get this service out of the way. I'm going to say this and get it out of the way. It's not in the way. It is the way. It is the whole. It is the foundation of what we're doing. And so it should be everything in our day. And so teaching and preaching uh, for the hearer seems to be more entertainment than eternal. Amen. And so when we think about the word of God, the ministry of the word of God, we have to understand that this is eternal and not entertainment. This is not just something that we need to try. We certainly want to make our presentation as much and as as well as we can, but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is not on the presentation. The emphasis is on the fact that this is eternal weight to it. Hallelujah. And so those that are just hearers only, they have the idea that they can go home and grade the song on a scale of one to ten. They can grade the sermon. They can grade the speaker on the, on the, all on the basis, of course, of their personal preference. But I want to repeat something tonight that I just said. Amen. They do this because they do not feel accountable for what they have heard. But when you feel accountable and arrested by the word of God, then we realize I've got to take this whole matter into consideration, not just portions of this. Sometimes, hopefully, they take it home, examine it. They decide what part they agree with and what part they don't agree with. They decide what part we're going to keep and what part we're going to throw away. They decide what part they're going to live and some what part they're going to discard. Can I tell you tonight that that's not our job to decide what we're going to accept and what we're going to deny, what we're going to embrace, what we're going to what we're going to reject, but we need to take the whole counsel and 
of the word of God and apply it to our lives. There are some people that really like to praise and the worship, but they say, I don't know so much about this holiness and separation deal. But can I tell you tonight that they are intricately linked and you cannot separate one from the other. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. James made no bones about these two elements of people. He separately categorized them succinctly by defining them as hearers and doers. We're talking about two different groups of people. Amen. We're talking about two different mindsets, two different approaches to the word of God. Actually, if I could say that, James doesn't separate them, but the hearers separate themselves from the doers. They do this by willingly exposing themselves to the teaching and the preaching of the word of God, but they have no desire to modify their day-to-day living. I'm gonna tell you that being full of the Holy Ghost and being in the presence of God and being in the word of God, it ought to change how we walk. It ought to change how we talk. It ought to change how we think. It ought to change how we handle our lives and other people and how we deal with situations. It ought to change us. It ought to impact us. Praise God. Amen. Please don't take this statement out of context tonight, but some people enjoy hearing the preaching of the word of the Lord or the teaching of the word of the Lord, but they have no desire to obey it. It's just an entertainment thing to them. But you see, the word of God is eternal. And we're accountable to the eternal word of God in the same fashion Some people enjoy praising the Lord, but they're not concerned about serving the Lord. It feels good to be in church, but we live a different life outside. I don't want to just praise the Lord because when we do that, we are hearers and not doers of the word. I can't stress this enough that this is a very dangerous place to live. I say that because it is so easy for hearers to convince themselves that they are okay because they look at false devices by which they measure themselves. Maybe they would consider their faithfulness to the house of God or their apparent love for the word of God or maybe they would consider their support for the work of God and then all of those things make them feel that they are in right relationship with God. But that's not necessarily true. We can have all of those things in order and not be in right relationship with the Lord. Amen, we might... we might be made to feel better by those things when in fact nothing could be further from the truth because it's not enough to just hear the word of God. We've got to get up and walk out of here and say where and how can I apply this to my life starting right now. Amen, starting right now. The biblical difference between being a hearer and a doer is the difference between being a saint and a sinner. It's not a question of what we claim to have experienced It's a question of how we live in light of God's word. The question so that we we must ask ourselves is this, am I a hearer or am I a doer? In the long run, the proof is in the pudding. In the long run, the proof is in our everyday life. In our long run, in the long run, is how we live when nobody's looking. What we do when nobody's watching. That's the bottom, 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 bottom line. Am I a hearer or am I a doer? How we live day to day, that is a direct result of our status. We're either a doer of the word or we're a hearer of the word. The evidence of salvation, I believe, is demonstrated how we live every day. How we treat our family, 
Amen. Is the lady that your husband goes home with the same lady that was at church talking, smiling to everybody else, but growling all the way home? Is the man that that she went to church with that was telling the jokes and the center of attention and everybody's favorite person, was he that grumpy old guy sitting behind the steering wheel going home? Amen. There's enough conviction right here to have a baptism service. (laughs) Maybe not hit the valve back there and start filling that thing up. Amen. (laughs) Now we move on in this passage and and as I warned you, James starts tightening things up just a little bit. As a matter of fact, he tightens them up significantly. In the latter portion of verse 22, James uses some terminology that, that should cause us to sit up and take account. And I am being serious now. To be more specific, let's look at these words together. Verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And I want you to pay careful attention to those last four words. Deceiving your own selves. There, there are a few, and I say this as sincerely as I know how, there are a few things in the Bible that startle me any more than words or phrases that have any root to the word deception. I'm, I'm being as honest as I am, transparent as I can possibly be right now. I'm talking about me as a person, not me as a preacher, me as a pastor, me as a person. There are very few things in the Bible that startle me any more than phrases or words that have their root in deception. When I read words deceived, deceive, you have my undivided attention. Not to try to make a play on words, but I've said many times through the years that the problem with deception is that you're deceived. It's a very frightening thing. Paul to the church in Thessalonians talks about being deceived for the lack of a love for the truth and that you would believe a lie and be damned. And if you believe the wrong that you're doing is right, you're never going to repent of the wrong And if we don't repent of wrong, we're going to be lost for the wrongdoing. Deception is a big deal. It is a big deal. And so it's a a subject that scares me beyond the telling And because it's, it's easy for a conscience to become seared and our hearts to become deceived into thinking that everything is okay when it's not okay. It's 180 degrees of okay. We need to make sure that our response to the word of the Lord Amen, is a response of obedience because the alternative is self-deception. That we just feel like everything is all right. And sometimes people come into the presence of the Lord and they get bathed in the overflow of someone else's experience, not bathed in the overflow of their own righteous living all week long, but they just get bathed in the overflow of somebody else's experience. And that is a dangerous thing because just because you feel the presence of the Lord is not an indication that everything is okay. Sinners feel the presence of the Lord. Sinners, ranked sinners. I'm talking about people that have no, uh, no knowledge of the word of God, no understanding of the word of God. 
they feel something. Maybe they don't know how to relate to it or don't know how to explain it or describe it, but they feel something. And so just because we feel something should not be an indication that everything's all right. We need to do an inventory of our heart and we know, amen, we know because we know, we'll talk about this in just a little bit, an inventory of our heart. Let the word of God serve as that reflective device and instrument in our lives to reveal our wrong and then do something about it. James is saying that those who hear the word without obeying it are making a spiritual, very serious spiritual miscalculation that causes them to fool themselves. They're self-deceived. Now, in order to explain this process of self-deception, James uses a very simple analogy in writing, and that's where we pick up in verse 23. For if any, any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. James uses wording that carries the idea of careful, cautious consideration of what's being examined. The hearer of the word, who is not also where a doer, is a person who carefully observes, James says, their, their natural face in a mirror. But as soon as they are finished looking, they immediately forget what kind of person they have just observed themselves to be. In New Testament times, to make a little more clarity here. Mirrors were typically just high polished brass or perhaps bronze. If you were wealthy enough, maybe you had uh, silver or gold, but it would still be silver that was polished or brass that was, or gold that was polished. But even the most expensive mirror would be primitive compared to what we think of today when we think about a mirror. So consequently, those early mirrors gave a rather dim or distorted reflection of the person that was using them. It took far more than just a glance. It took far more than just walking by. It took far more than just a casual observance. But if you're going to really look, you're going to have to turn and make an effort to find the best light it's extra effort that a person could now at least fairly see an accurate image of their face. And if we read this passage of Scripture methodically and carefully and intentionally, we get this from the writer James. We're not just talking about a passing glance. We're not just talking about trying to appease ourselves, but to look deep into the image that is staring back at us. I know that we are familiar today not only with mirrors but magnification mirrors, and uh, this would only uh, this would only underscore what we're talking about today. If you got a magnify, magnifying mirror uh, that gives a, a a magnified reflection of who we are, when you look deep into that, it's kind of scary, isn't it? Even for the people that didn't respond, it's still kind of scary. Because it reveals some things. 
It reveals things that you can't see in a dimly polished mirror. We look at that. We see some things that are wrong. And then he said, you just turn around and walk away and you forget what manner of man that you were beholding in that mirror. Amen. It seems to me that James has a passion when he writes to be careful, to be patient, to observe. Amen. When we look deep into who we are, then we can really see what we are. Amen. But for whatever reason, the scripture says that he stops looking at himself and goes his way and then immediately forgets what manner of man or the image that he saw. Now think about that with me, that he carefully looked, passionately looked, but immediately forgot. Amen. It's that forgetfulness that's the point of the analogy. Whether we forgot it because we were distracted or whether we forgot it because we weren't pleased with what we saw or simply we forgot it because we have a poor memory. All the careful looking and all the careful examination became, became in an instant of time wasted. It was all just wasted time if you do nothing about it, if you forget what manner of man was looking back at us. And so whatever the original purpose for looking in the mirror, whether it's whatever it was, it is quickly, whatever was seen is quickly forgotten. But can I tell you tonight that we need the word of God to be a mirror. I've literally prayed this prayer. Lord, let your word be a mirror in my life that I can see the reflection of who I really am and not what I perceive myself to be or what others may perceive me to be and help me to know, Lord, where I need to work on my life and then give me the courage and the boldness and the wherewithal to do something about that. Praise God. Amen. And so we look at the word of God. It's careful and accurate. It's intentional. Amen. But if we do not apply the truths to our life, if we don't apply them, then they're soon lost to us. We forget them. We've been moved by messages before and totally forgotten about that move in times past. Amen. Except by the consequences. Amen. Except the consequences of the, of the word of God. Amen. Let them come into our life. Let them convict us where we need to be convicted and shape us and mold us. Praise God. There's a lot of people in light of God's word see their need of repentance. They see their need of a, of a changed lifestyle yet they go on their way as though those realities were never expressed or exposed. Now, when you compare that to verse 25, let's look carefully. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, we're not talking about just a polished image, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of, this, of the work, this man shall be blessed in his the word looketh in this verse is different from the word beholding. The word looketh in verse 25 is different than the word beholding in verse 23. Looketh means to carefully examine something from the clearest possible vantage point. A person clearly, intently looking into the word of God to discover its deepest and its most complete meaning. For him, it's not just an exercise of curiosity. I'm not just trying to get an answer to a question, but I want to discover a truth so that I can abide in it. I would challenge you, if you don't already pray this way, to pray for God to give us an understanding of his word. Amen. An understanding of your word. Let me see it, Lord, for what it is. 
Amen. I want to discover a truth and I want to abide by that truth. They understand that this was the purpose of the Lord revealing it in the first place. He doesn't show us something to bedazzle us. God is not entertaining the truths. But he said, I want to show you something because I want you to live this. I want you to walk in this. I want to ask our musicians to come. The key to James' analogy is this. The faithful hearer and the faithful doer of the word. Please hear me. Is not in the business of just studying the mirror. But they're trying to study what the mirror reveals. If I had a mirror in my hand tonight, I could perhaps better illustrate this. We're not just holding a mirror to examine the handle, examine the rim, examine the quality of the mirror, examine the quality of the glass, or examine its ability to reflect. That's not why we're holding the mirror. We are trying to study what the mirror is revealing. Amen. And so that's why it's so important that we not look at whoever is preaching or teaching or singing and just examine the mirror and try to critique the handle or the frame or the glass. But we need to understand what's being revealed because that's what's most important. Amen. God's revealed will and His truth. The doer of the Word doesn't just study the Word alone, but it's the study of what the the Word reveals in their own life. Praise God. The doer doesn't listen to a sermon for the sake of just hearing a sermon, in other words, but they listen to that to determine its impact upon our lives ultimately. The doer approaches the word of God expecting it to bring a change in their life. So I ask you this tonight, not a question to be answered aloud, but did you come to church tonight to be changed? That's the ultimate question. Because in truth, you didn't really know who was going to be preaching tonight. And you didn't really know where the text would come from or what the subject would be about. So did we come to be changed by the word of God? While you didn't know who would be holding the mic or who would be teaching or preaching or where our text would come from or what the subject would be, you did know with great confidence that somebody would be preaching tonight. Somebody would be behind this desk. There would be a Bible open and the word of God would be shared. So did we come in all honesty to let the word of God change us? Now, Let me talk about our fallen state in just a few moments, but here's something that's true, universally true for all of us, and that is that fallen man's nature has a real aversion to serious spiritual thought. We just have a fallen man has a natural disdain for serious spiritual thought. Fallen man is not naturally inclined to seriously search for God's truth and then figure out how I can apply that to my life. 
On the other hand, a person who humbles themselves by doing whatever is necessary to get a better glimpse of the word of God proves his right spiritual motive and attitude. And so he is concerned with bare facts, amen, amen, and divine truth. We need the facts. We need the truth. And then I'm going to obey that. What I've learned, I'm going to take that home. I'm going to do that. And so let me say tonight, I know that there is a difference in our spiritual maturity level here this evening, not only a difference in age naturally, but a difference in age spiritually. But can I tell you this, that if you are here and you want to be here, just keep doing what you know to do. And as God reveals more things to you in the preaching and the teaching or whatever vehicle God uses to bring that to us, apply that to our life. Amen. I don't want to be a forgetful person, but I want to be an applier of the word of God. And the Bible says that one characteristic will mark their lives, and that is that they would be blessed. The scripture says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so the truth is this, that a man or a woman that allows the word of God to impact their life will be blessed of God. And that is the purpose of the gospel. So when we allow it, God, through his word, will reveal places in our life where we need to we need some work. Amen. Let's stand. There are certain <clears throat> procedures that in order for them to even begin, something like a dye would be injected into your body. And then we would be placed in some sort of machine for observation and that dye is going to reveal places where our arteries are clogged or veins are clogged or various other things. We need something to reveal that. Now, if we're going in for a heart cath, so to speak, or just for an example, and whatever is released in our body that would reveal to the medical professional where the obstructions are and what what sense would it be to just say well you have this artery clogged so I mean this 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 and this y'all have a good day the point of discovering that was now we need a plan of action and this is what we need to do to take care of it and so we need the word of God to pass through our midst and our mind and our hearts, revealing those areas of our lives that need changing. But then, what a sad thing to just dismiss the service or just pick up our stuff and go home and not say, Lord, now touch us and change us and help us in the name of the Lord. I read a quote a couple of weeks ago. I brought it with me tonight. Sister Vesta Mangan in a staff meeting at their church said this to the leadership of their church. She said, the book of James was given to us and given to those who think you can walk your way into heaven. You can rather, given to us, given to those who think they can talk their way into heaven instead of walk your way into heaven. In other words, the book of James is an action book. We've got to do something. You've got to get up. You've got to put legs to your faith. Amen. The book of James is for those who think you can talk your way into heaven instead of walk your way into heaven. Amen. God is looking for those that would take up his word, apply it to our lives, 
Amen. And let his word change us. Let's magnify the Lord. Can we do it in song? Amen. Let the Lord touch your heart tonight. Let it touch mine in Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.